0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic Podcast. I am your host, once again, Hunter Salazar, and today we are going to be talking about God's answers for your daily needs. So, I will be posting a picture of the front of this book for the thumbnail, but it is titled Touch Points for Men. And I didn't really think that that was a good title for you know, that's the main title, but it's not really a good title for what this book is about. Um, God's answers for your daily needs makes much more sense because, um, in, in all of the, uh, this book is just completely packed with nothing else, but, um, you know, asking advice for daily needs, uh, something like sacrifice, compassion, business, and then asking specific questions, um, that have to do with uh, something that would apply to our lives, um, and a lot- some of it some of it's a little bit a little bit less like practical like how should I prepare for the coming of christ um but a lot of it um is something like what is generosity or you know how do i um how do I achieve contentment and things like that so i'm gonna flip through this book do a little bit of bibliomancy um and I just like to say that uh, you know uh it'll be drawing on the different uh the different books like uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and also a lot of psalms um and really this is this is kind of a tribute to both my Christian friends because I think that they'll very much like this and also those who seek to understand Christianity metaphysically because I'm going to be adding my own commentary in here so I think it's a good meeting of two worlds, and it seems like a very straightforward book that's easy to read and easy to convey ideas with. And I think that this can be beneficial not just Christians, but uh, everybody. And really, uh, if you understand it in a, in a in a wider scope. Anyway, this is uh, gonna be God's answers for your daily needs. So I randomly clicked, <laughs> clicked Jesus, not clicked. uh... I randomly uh, turned the page to uh, page 223. How do I show g- respect to God? Deuteronomy ten twelve, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires you to fear him, to live according to his will, to love and worship him with all your heart and soul. Okay, so when it talks about fearing him, you have to understand the age. Uh, The further back you go, the harsher, um, I guess you can say, the sources, expectations are. But not even like, it's not even, I'm not talking about going further back as far as like ancient times. I'm talking about going back about, well, when I say ancient, I mean, you know, over 10,000 years ago. But going back about, uh, I don't know, uh, 2,000 years ago to 4,000 years ago in that area... Um, those are the times when there's a real dip in human consciousness in my own idea. Um, and, you know, directly after the... So, so, like, maybe about 2000 BC was a dip. And then maybe, you know, just when the Roman Empire was starting, there was kind of an up. And then there was another dip uh, a few hundred years in Christianity, which we had to recover from. So how we understand these lessons and when these lessons were given, I think that a lot of the Bible's lessons were given at a time when people were very basic. They needed to fear God in order to listen to God. They needed that base. So that that base consciousness of the root chakra of fear in order to, uh, listen to God and what uh, God wanted them to do, laying out very basic commandments uh, because they needed basic commandments, they couldn't understand complex ones, and, um, people needed to have that emotional connection of "I'm afraid" or "if I don't do this, then this will happen to me," hellfire type stuff. That's just my two cents, you know. And uh, consciousness and different cycles. There's ups and downs within every cycle, and you can kind of tell the levels of consciousness based on what is being taught in temples, churches, mosques, uh, synagogues, you'll see that different religions and very, very much so even more spiritual traditions respond very much to the, um, to the phase of consciousness that humanity is in. So under that same respect, how do I, under, <laughs> under that same uh, topic, how do I show respect to God? hebrews twelve twenty eight twenty nine since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a consuming fire. we should show our respect for God by serving and worshiping him with reverence, so that fire of god it um since it's hebrews uh it very much feels like at that point uh Satan was the tester And he was still working for God Um, It it wasn't that way At that time in my understanding But that's how Hebrews understood uh, That's how Jewish people understood At the time That uh, Satan was God's tester And really honestly it's it's very much true Um, It's just more It's a little bit more complicated And um, it's a little bit vaster As far as everything being a part of the source Than was understood at the time so let's go. There's a there's a few more passages relating to how sh- how should uh do I show respect to God? Let me go ahead and go over, um, a couple other ones and see if we can find one that's not all just about punishment, because this book seems very focused on the general idea of hellfire when it comes to this topic. Uh eccles um, jeez, eccles, ecclesiastes five one. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. That makes sense. Keep your ears open um don't do pres- don't say "I" in the presence of God <laughs> It's said that say, that Lucifer's greatest sin before he became Satan was to say "I" in the presence of God, well, as if he was separate from God. And that's why you know he was cast down and became Satan, and why a third of the angels joined him. Because they wanted to think of themselves as being not a part of the source, in essence, in my understanding. Okay, so, yeah, when it's very important, so, uh, just, it's better also to listen to, uh, spiritual knowledge than to try to claim you know something about anything. When you're in a place where there's other people who have spiritual knowledge. Um, okay, so, uh, let's read one more, um. Habakkuk 2.20 The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Keeping silence in God's presence shows respect to him. Really reiterating what we just uh, talked about. Um, And being willing to, uh, I guess you can say in this point of view, speak when spoken to and not speak out. Um... That's a level of respect, sure. Uh, Okay, so (laughs) this is a good one here. Uh, Before we dive into this one, let's go ahead and get a word from our sponsor. All right, everyone, we are back. So here's the next one. This is on page 194 of Touch Points for Men, God's Answers for Your Daily Needs. Uh, This is by New Living Translation. Well... That's the version. And the publishing company is Tyndale. T-Y-N-D-A-L-E. Just want to make sure you can find this book, though I will be posting it in the thumbnail if you want to find it yourself. So, uh, we're we're on page 194 now. Does God really care about the poor? Psalm 3510. Who else rescues the weak and help us from the strong? Who else protects the poor and needy from those who want to rob them? Ah. Uh. I assume it's talking about God, uh, maybe God's Son, Jesus. Um, but I think that it's important to understand that we are an extension of God's efforts and God's will, and that God works through us. So it wouldn't be wise to just walk past a poor person who's asking for food or to just denounce poor people in politics. Because either you expect God to do something for them or you expect them to go to, the, to a church to get charity and not be willing to support a system that provides some kind of charity to them, like food stamps. Um, so, the people who take up compassion become an extension of God. People who take up protecting of those who did nothing wrong, an extension of God. Uh, we should not, we should not resign our efforts of compassion to just loving God and not loving our fellow man because we expect God to take care of our fellow man. We should understand that our fellow man, we will be aided and helped by us and our actions will be blessed by God, in my opinion. So yes, God helps them, uh, we choose or do not choose to to play a role in that and our actions are blessed and written down if we do and once again i would like to say that i'm using christian understanding and understanding a lot of this Uh, i want to make this christian friendly i do like to make things that are christian friendly i have a lot of christian friends and i want to speak to them while also offering some metaphysical understandings that can work for everybody and even you know the christian understandings can be very informative at any rate, let's go under the same topic of does God really care about the poor? Psalm forty seventeen: I am poor and needy, but the Lord is thinking about me right now. That's true. The Lord is thinking about those who suffer. Um, one thing that always stuck with me was there was a yogi that was a, i can't remember how he was how he was associated with yogananda or if he was yogananda but one thing that i one quote i remember is um if you understood how much god loves you you would weep with joy we see a lot of bad things happening to us and the world at large um The question, the the statement is thrown around around a lot. Why would God allow children to have diseases, allow something like the Holocaust to happen? Um, Why would God allow such travesties against the innocent in this world to happen? And there's no easy answer to this. There's no really warm and cuddly answer to this, to be honest. The answer that I believe is the truth is that we are viewing everything on ground level. We are, it's kind of like we are blood cells going through the veins and capillaries of God. There's white blood cells that protect us and there's viruses that take advantage of us and destroy us, feed on us robotically without really contemplating what they do it's funny because if you study viruses they don't really make any sense they're like robots they don't really get anything out of it they just they behave like robots it's, i can't really explain it very well but that's kind of how they behave and that that's very true with um destructive evil not necessarily what most people think of as evil but very destructive evil is like a, a robotic virus um but, you know, when those when we get attacked by a virus, do we weep every blood cell? Um, do we really think back and contemplate? And, you know, when we get our foundation done around our house, or termites destroyed, or anthills, we uh, put pesticide on them, or put pesticide, get rid of weeds in our yard... Um. Do we really think about the harm we're causing, even if all these things are necessary, which yeah, I mean we shouldn't have weeds, we shouldn't have um insects that are that are a problem for our existence that are pests um maybe even we'll go as far as to say to control the boar population, we kill boars um and it's not in the it's not that these acts are bad, but we don't. We don't place value on the lives that we destroy most of the time. We view many animals, insects, and plants... Well, plants as well, but plants don't really have a nervous system or the ability to contemplate their pain. So, harming... You know, eating plants is fine for a diet, but... And, honestly, uh, dairy, that's where the cows are very well treated, as long as they can still have their calves. But, anyway... um. We don't think about the tiny lives that we destroy. Um, and because we, we are human beings, when we see other human beings in pain and being inflicted upon, we, we ask God, why would you allow this? And honestly, if if an alien race looked at us, who is much more advanced and saw how we treat cows and slaughterhouses and pigs... The amount of pain that we cause to beings that can feel pain reflect on pain and suffer for years and years and years we wouldn't look very good. we might even look like the Nazis, but Nazis actually exterminating uh beings that weren't people weren't human beings but we would we wouldn't look very good um, it's humbling it's humbling when we think about How we we should value life, but we don't value it. We don't really think of it. We don't consider it on most days. And overall, besides that, another point is that, you know, these are very hard points to make. But everything is connected and everything everything is happening in relation to everything else. Everything is relative to everything else. Um, and nothing ever ends. Um, somebody who died a violent death, they, their soul will move on to another lifetime. Their spirit will return to the earth, their life force. Their, uh, their ghost ego hopefully will meld back into the grander consciousness. N- nobody is ever forgotten by the universe, by the source. Um, Everything keeps moving on. No one ever really ends. No one is ever really lost. It may seem that way. It may feel that way. It may seem that way so much that... I used to get indignant at this point. But the more that I learn, the the more that I realize that this point is correct. That... the And... Not only does is nothing ever lost, everything always returns to the source. No matter how long it takes. There's no damnation forever. There's no pain forever. Even a completely innocent soul that was in pain and perhaps their ghost comes back and cannot get rid of the pain so it's stuck here, that doesn't last forever. Everything returns to the source. And... The web of dharma and karma, dharma, the moral fabric of reality, it's it, it's so complex that it's impossible to really figure out why things happen sometimes to people who seem completely innocent and what will happen to the people who hurt those who are completely innocent. Because even if you are the arm of karma, the sword of karma, rather, um, you are not exempt from... Punishment by karma. Uh, Karma and dharma form a very intricate web that's very hard to take apart and understand. And a lot of the time, we just can't, so we have to resign ourselves to saying, look, I'm going to do the best that I can, and I'm not going to just assume that, okay, that poor person or that animal deserved their situation. My duty is to try to help them regardless. Because maybe karma put them in that situation—that poor person, that 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 abused child, that that animal, that nobody wants, or is caught in a trap. Maybe karma did put that in this situation, or maybe somebody forced them into that situation to be punished for it. Maybe both. But regardless, how we act, we're not the ones that are deciding who deserves what. We're the ones that are supposed to act to help people. That's what we have to do. Even if we fail, that's what we have to do. It's not about... It's not about resigning people to their fate because you think they deserve it. It's about, even if it's possible that karma or dharma dictated that, that we have to try to help regardless. That's a very important point. That's why I keep on saying it. It's very important to realize that. Um, because far too people, far too many people say, oh, well, obviously it's their karma. I'm just going to forget about it and not worry about them. No, it's our duty to help our fellow human beings and, and other life forms as much as we can. At any rate, I spent way too much time on making that point. I do apologize. Um, so let's continue on a bit. We'll go through these a little bit faster now. So, um... I am poor, so I am poor and needy. But the Lord is thinking about me right now. That's what we just said He will rescue. uh Psalm seventy two twelve. He will rescue the poor when they cry to Him. He will help the oppressed, who have no one to defend them. Psalm one o two, seventeen. He will listen to the prayers of the destitute. He will not reject their pleas. Psalm one thirteen six through eight. Far below Him are the heavens and the earth he stoops to look and he lifts the poor from the dirt and the needy from the garbage dump he sets them he sets them among princes god cares deeply for the poor and he commands all believers to care for them too to the point that i made earlier and here, we'll go, we'll read a couple of these. The next one is on page 195. What is my responsibility to the poor? Leviticus 2539. If any of your Israelite relatives go bankrupt and sell themselves to you, do not treat them as slaves. So even if they you can treat them as slaves, like it'd be easy to, you shouldn't. Because... They are poor, and you should be compassionate towards them uh pro proverbs nine uh nineteen seventeen if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Oh, that kind of goes into some points that we talked about earlier proverbs twenty two nine blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Wow, this is <laughs> i didn't I didn't read ahead, but it feels like the points that I made are kind of being reinforced i mean it's not like I know everything about the Bible, or I understand it. It just seems like a lot of the points that just kind of came to me are being reinforced. Uh, So, Isaiah 58.10, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as day. Matthew 7.12, do for others what you would like them to do for you. The Golden Rule James 29 if you pay special attention to the rich you are committing a sin oh man some politicians need to hear that let's hear let's let's see that again James 29 that's just the start of it if you pay you know what I'm gonna mark I apologize I'm going to mark this page because I think that there's a video here in the future. So, uh, actually, this is, my friend's, this is my friend's book. So, like, I, I, I don't know if I really should mark it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't have a book, Mark. I'm going to dog ear it. Dog ear. Anyway, if you pay special attention to the rich, you are committing a sin. God has compassion for the poor. So, if we would be godly, we must have compassion for the poor. Compassion that does not reach into our checkbooks or onto our to-do list. is philosophical compassion and not godly passion. Helping the poor is not merely an obligation, but a privilege that should bring us great joy. Last one for this section. Promise from God. 2 Corinthians 8-9 You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he was rich, yet you Yet for your sakes, he became very poor so that his poverty, so, th- uh, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. So that by his poverty, he could make you rich spiritually. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Take a quick break right now. All right, everyone, let's go ahead and continue. So we're on page 196 of Touch Points for Men God's Answers for Your Daily Needs. Which God's answer for daily needs is much better of a title. all right, so uh power, how can I have true spiritual power? Two corinthians three five It is not that we think uh, we can do anything of lasting value by ourselves. Our only power and success come from God. Spiritual power comes from God alone. that's true. any kind of any kind of spiritual power, it's, um, it's the energy you get, um, from your spirit, life force, which is the grace and the the gift of God to this world, stored in this world, um, the world's soul, but also our own soul, and tuning in with that, we transcend material reality, um. And our material bodies and even our minds and consciousness, and our our, uh, our id, become transformed if when we tune into the soul and properly use our spirit. 2 Chronicles 16.9 The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God gives strength to those who are fully committed to him. So it's uh there's a big part of you know you have to be committed to your path. You can't uh you know, you can't do it halfway. You have to be really committed to your path in order to actually receive the both the the aid in your progress and the higher states of realization along your path. So the last one for this one uh for this power topic um and how can I have true spiritual power? That's the topic. All right, so uh, John fifteen five. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart me, you can do nothing. Spiritual power comes from, spirit, from living in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Living in fellowship with Jesus Christ, uh, I think that means having make feeling like He is your friend, and making Him your friend in the way that you are honest, and that you are willing to do things for Him as He is willing to do things for you. The friendship with Christ is a uh, powerful um, way to look at the relationship. So let's go ahead and go to oh, page one fifty four, limitations. Does God have limitations? Oh huh. Does God have limitations? Numbers eleven twenty three. The Lord said to Moses, Is there any limit to my power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. Okay, so he's saying the, the Lord said to Moses, Is there any limit to my power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. So his word, which like mantra, it, it manifests, it creates his very word. Um, that's very true in uh Genesis. He creates with his word. Mantras in reality, but the word of God. If he creates with his word and is there, is there a limit to what he can create? I think that it implies that there is not. So Isaiah forty twenty eight, Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. There is no illumination to God's power and strength. <laughs> Sorry about that. The Freudian slip. There is no limitation to God's power and strength. Um, so, yes, it's talking about God as the creator of the earth, the everlasting God, so about you know the infinite source uh the the creator of 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 matter and energy itself um and of course, there's no becoming faint or weary because it is the immortal, eternal, and infinite and constant. Spirit beyond creation that fuels everything. The source is the spirit beyond creation. And all spirit ties into that. All life force relates to the spirit beyond creation, um, specifically. And the source is another name for it. But as far as that one function, the spirit beyond creation is the projector of all spirits that will return to Him one day, spirits being life force. All right, Psalm, and this is still under limitations. Uh, Does God have any limitations? Psalms 139, 1 through 12. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know what I am going to say even before I say it. Lord, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. Oh, that's wonderful darkness and light. So, God's vision, God's presence is in both darkness and light, is what we can read from this, and that there is no way to flee even to the deepest darkness from God's gaze, which means that everything is a part of God, uh, because he is there with you no matter where you are, because he is everything. Uh, all right, so let's read read this last one in limitations. Does God have any any limitations question? Uh Isaiah Isaiah 40:28. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. God's knowledge has no so in some of these there is sentences after that are not part of the the quote from the Psalms or the Gospels. But uh, they basically feed into translations that make uh, a lot of sense, so I haven't really been distinguishing the difference. God's knowledge has no limit, and there is no place where he is not. That makes sense if he has created all places and the space in which they exist. Yes, God also created the space in which things exist, because that is something that had to be created, even though it kind of blows our mind. Uh, when we think about that, so let's go into, let's go into this last section that I randomly turned to, page thirty nine, uh, call of God, has God called me to do specific things? Ecclesiastes Eclis- eleven nine, do everything you want to do, take it at. Take it all in, but remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. God gives us the freedom to do what we think is best, but we will answer for everything that we do. And that's very true. That's actually written into uh, the moral fabric of reality, Dharma. Everything is recorded. Everything is relative to your specific situation. So even even different levels of the same so-called sin or wrong are taken into account. Like, if you kill somebody because they were attacking somebody else, that's much better than killing somebody out of um, premeditation or even uh, on the spur of the moment you caught your partner cheating. Um, Killing somebody is still bad, but the different levels is that if you kill somebody because they were attacking somebody else, you were defending somebody else, that could be positive karma. So there's different levels. And I guess, um, you know, less, uh, like, if I was going to put, like, an in-between point as far as, like, when it comes to killing, uh, maybe there are p- there is somebody that's, that's really, like, beating up everybody around him and he's causing a lot of injury and then maybe you stab him and then he dies. That would still be wrong. and That would still get bad karma, but it wouldn't be as bad as if you just killed somebody because you didn't like them, Uh or you shot him in the head because they did something wrong to you. that They stepped on your toe or pushed you out the way. So there's different levels of... Uh, there's different levels uh, of judgment. There's different levels of uh, reaction from the multiverse and uh, the source. Um, and what, I'll re- go ahead and read this part again. Uh, call of God. Has God called me to do specific things? you sees 11.9. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember, you must give an account to God for everything you do. God gives us the freedom to do what we think is best, but we will answer for everything we do. So keep in mind that there there will be a reckoning for every single action that we we perform. Even if you don't believe in dharma or karma, and you just believe in God, um, you just believe, let's say Christian God, then be sure to recognize that um, everything is being counted. Uh, so let's go. Go ahead and go to the next one. And the call of God. Uh, has God called me to do specific things? Uh, so this one is Jeremiah one four through five. The Lord gave me a message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. Sometimes God may call us to fulfill a very specific ministry. But that uh, when that happens. He will make sure that we know it. Um, so, God forming us, you know, he's talking to Jesus in this sense, instance. And it kind of ends with, us. Uh, you'll be the spokesman, spokesman to the world. And then it goes into a little bit of an extra translation. Um, but, God forming us in the womb. So, so, Hindus believe that something interesting happens in the womb. When you're in the womb as a baby, you, you actually have, you actually remember your former lives. You remember purchasing that specific birth based on your karma and your, and what you needed to learn, but uh, you, you purchase births based on what you've done in the past. Not necessarily like money or like negative or positive money, but, but like where you need to go. There is the people with uh, that have done the best things that have been the most remarkable and loving and kind people and courageous even they can purchase better birds, but mainly what happens is they they purchase birds in which they will learn what they need to learn so that they can finally get back to the source so it's not necessarily like you get a fortunate birth as much as you get a birth that will Give you the best chance to learn something that you need to learn. Um, so when you're a baby, you're in the womb, and you're like, oh man, the all these lives these were amazing. Uh, the I remember purchasing this birth, uh, and then you have you kind of do these prayers, and you have all these hopes for the life that you're gonna live in this life, and you're really in the in the womb, you're you're very much focused on the hope for what you accomplish in this life, in the life that you have been able to choose. And then once you are born, there's another spiritual process that when you actually come out of the womb and are disconnected from your mother, that all those memories go out the window. They're kaput. And you're left as a completely new being with no memories. So the reason why this happens is because... If you had memories from past lives, if you had an influence from the personalities that you once were, you'd have the same attachments. You'd have the same angers and fears. You'd have the same vindictiveness, perhaps, and the same desire for revenge. Every birth, the slate is wiped clean, and you, and you know, over time, you might be called to spiritual paths, Based on you might actually find the pro the paths that you need to practice that you need to move forward with that will help you the best, and then find the deities or the spirits or the saints or God in ways that will help you re- finally merge with the source. Those are the best case scenario. Other case scenarios that you don't tap into anything that you learned, and then you just kind of end up going through this world, you, you do some good things, do some bad things, and you kind of end up, um, you kind of end up in the same spot where you started this life with, and then you purchased another life, maybe a little bit less, a little bit better uh, than your previous one, but finding a spiritual path that works for you is very important, and this is how we get closer and closer to the source and can finally merge with the source, uh I just threw a lot of information at you. I I'm, I'm really I apologize for that. I, I tend to go into rants when I'm really into the topics. <laughs> I hope that's okay with with y'all. All right. So let's see if we can uh go forward here. Ah. So this is still on page 39. 1 Corinthians 12:4 through 7. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. The church, in this case, meaning the congregation of humanity. Um, it doesn't have to be Christ-specific, actually. Uh, I'm feeling like I want to read it some more here, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, let's go to page 41, and it's a uh, character. What are the attributes of godly character? Ezekiel 18 five, nine, eighteen five through nine. Suppose a certain man is just and does does what is lawful and right, and he has not feasted in the mountains before Israel's idols or worshipped, uh, or ha- oh, Wait, hold on, and he has not wor- uh, Okay, let's start over. <laughs> uh, character. What are the attributes of a go- of godly character? Ezekiel eighteen five through 9 Suppose a certain man is just and does what is lawful and right and he has not feasted in the mountains before Israel's idols or worshipped them. And suppose he does not commit adultery. Suppose he is a merciful creditor and does not rob the poor but instead gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for people in need. And suppose he grants loans without interest. Uh, stays away from injustice, is honest and fair when judging others, and faithfully obeys uh, my laws and regulations. Anyone who does, who does these things is just and will surely live, says the Sovereign Lord. Then we have some additions here from the author or the uh, translator. Uh, justice, righteousness, mercy, honesty, fairness, and faithfulness are essential traits of godly character uh so it's basically it's basically lining up what makes up a godly person uh always looking to do the right thing and even in responding to bad people you do it at the right level and even when taking in debts that people owe you you do it in a kind way and you do it only to the rate that you are deserved um and you kind of obey the laws of God in the sense that uh you so so in in this in this instance we're talking about very old laws of God so they're very basic it's very hard to look into uh look deeply in some of these laws of God some of the commandments but i will say that uh if you did obey these commandments at the time, uh, and you acted justly towards everyone, you could definitely, you could definitely look forward to, um, a higher birth, or you don't have to be rich or anything like that. But you could look, you'd be as generous as you can. A uh, higher birth, or and this isn't part of Ezekiel or anything, but a higher birth, or um, or really getting very close to god going to another dimension um so at this point i kind of want to tell a hindu story so um <laughs> uh, there was this uh there's this prince and he wanted to throw the most lavish uh offerings the most sincere the most um uh humble and vast offerings to the gods he wanted to make this ritual this this fire ritual he wanted to offer the gods so much that uh that he would be the one who has offered to the gods the greatest things and who has gained the best karma uh from those offerings to the gods. He wanted to be the one that has offered so much that he would be the best in the heavenly realms, I guess you could say and you know he put uh he made this he put out this feast there was an offering of many cows to Brahmins who are priests an offering of cows is very important very they don't kill the cows uh they might use their milk a little bit, and they uh they actually use their urine as well. Um, he he pardoned a lot of criminals. He fed a lot of hungry people. Created this huge elaborate charity, this huge elaborate charity situation, and and his whole kingdom was benefited. Um. So, (laughs) so this mongoose comes walking up to the main, the main fire. I'm, I'm kind of altering the story a little bit just for the sake of brevity, but this mongoose comes walking up to the fire. He's, but the thing about this mongoose is that half of his body is gold. It is like half of his body is just covered in gold. Like, it looks like half of this mongoose is made of gold. He comes up, and he rubs himself into the fire, into the main sacrificial fire. And the prince and the brahmins are like, what are you doing? Don't rub in the fire. And he says... And the mongoose says... I know he's talking. I understand that's kind of unbelievable. Like, But the story does make sense, as far as the message. So, the mongoose says... Uh, I only laid in your fire and rubbed in it because I was hoping that I could get the other half of myself to become gold, just like my other half. And they're like, how did you How did you get half of yourself to be gold? And he said, well, there's this really... There's this family. I was very hungry, and I went to this house in this village. It's a very poor village. Yeah. Uh, Let's just say we can say in the middle of Kuluk, etc. <laughs> and I, I came to the door, and I asked for food. Um, the family was starving. The they had nothing to offer. Not really. They did have some though, and. In the, the kindness of their hearts and in the tradition that you should feed everybody that comes to your door for they may be God in disguise, they gave me their meager small cup of rice that this entire family was to share because they were so poor and in their fire, you know, I, I ate it. And in their fire, I rubbed myself and half of my body turned to gold. And the mongoose said, the family died of starvation. But their fire at the center of this meager me- this meager small cup of rice that they provided to me was more holy was more blessed, was more pure than all of the things that you offer here. It was, it is not how, how much you provide. It is how much of what you truly need you give. And how much you are willing to keep to your, co- your code, your, the dharma. It's not about quality, quantity, it's about quality of offering. And that's something that we can all learn from. And I'm sure that mongoose continued on, perhaps he found a, a fa- sacrifice just as holy, a fire just as holy later on. But that small fire in that in that house with that emaciated family who offered but a cup of rice to this mongoose to eat and they starved to death was more holy than all the hundreds of cows that were given to the Brahmins by the prince. By all the prisoners pardoned By all the people fed. Because he had plenty. He had abundance. He did not give what he needed. He gave... What he had. And... It comes down to... It comes down to trying to figure out what we're willing to sacrifice of what we really need, what we think we need, in order to get what we truly need. The prince didn't need all that stuff. He got attached to it. He offered it. He thought he needed these things because he'd become attached to them, but he didn't. I think that it's very much the same with our individual spiritual past, no matter who you are. You offer... You offer you you try to find out or leave up to faith what you think you need, and you give it to the gods. You give it to God. You give it to Christ. Whatever you want to say. Um. And. You don't expect anything in return. The family that took that cup of rice, no, that gave that cup of rice rather. They knew that they were going to starve, but they did it anyway. At one point, that I'm not going to be able to find in the book, Jesus talked about giving things that you needed just out of compassion. Things that you truly needed to live. But here's the thing. There was something gained. Closest to God and the path that you needed more than life itself at any rate these are some things to think about um this has been the book touch points for men i don't know why it's called that it's uh this is my friend's book actually and uh, touch points for men god's answers for your daily needs I uh, hung out with an uh, old friend tonight and I saw this book on his desk and I was like, hey, can I borrow that? Because I started looking through it and he's like, it was the only book that he had on his desk. And he and he's like, yeah, you can borrow it. Uh, just have it back to me on, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I can have it back to you whenever. Uh, but yeah, this was the only book on his desk and I grabbed it because I started looking through it. And I was like, oh, these are some good ideas. Um, I hope that... Some of the stories and Hindu stuff that I, stuff that I added is interesting to y'all. Um, this was kind of, this was a shout out to my Christian friends, but of course, I can't really help but adding my own <laughs> my own um, Hindu take on things I hope that's okay to y'all at any rate, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to contact me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Hunter. Salazar. H-U-N-T-E-R, period, S-A-L-A-Z-A-R. And you can message me and uh, discuss things like this, or you can even refer me. At any rate, thank you very much for listening, and I hope all of you find yourselves.